Welcome to the Weather Channel podcast. I'm Heather Tesh here with producer Nikki Budnick. Hi, guys. And digital meteorologist and writer for weather.com, Chris Dolce. Hey, everyone. How's it going? Very good. Thank you. Well, it is now officially the unofficial start to summer. Wishing all of you a good Memorial Day. And do either of you two have plans? No, honestly. <laughs> no. <laughs> I I live on a lake, so I'll probably go out to the dock, hang out a little bit. But my husband is actually working. This is his holiday to work on Memorial Day. So we're not going to celebrate until next weekend when we're going to Alabama. So that should be fun. But, you know, social distancing, not really doing much, trying to keep to myself. <laughs> Chris? Yeah, nothing much going on here. Just kind of hanging out, exercising, working today and tomorrow as well (laughs) right well a lot of people have to do that too yes and a lot of people wish they were probably (laughs) as well well so from memorial day running through the week we are going to take a closer look at what kind of weather you can expect if you'll be out and about and we've got a taste of summer for many of you including those of you in the northeast and the west and it'll be very wet for others so chris will have an update on this week's weather coming up But first, we want to take a closer look at Lyme disease. May is Lyme Disease Awareness Month, and people are starting to head outside more as states reopen, outdoor parks and beaches. And of course, the weather is getting nicer. So now we all have different kinds of things we like to do outside. My exercise of choice is hiking, probably because it feels the least like exercise. And (laughs) I do try to do it several times a week, but that brings up with it, the risk of ticks and Lyme disease. Yeah, I'm outdoors quite a lot as well. And, you know, Lyme disease is a personal story for me too. I'm from the Northeast originally, and I know several people, including members of my family who have Lyme disease and think that it's caused chronic symptoms and that the symptoms are long lasting for them. Well, and I'll admit that there are times when I've felt fatigued and I've wondered because I do spend so much time in the woods, you know, do I have Lyme disease? And I actually have gotten a test for it before. It did come back negative, but as you will hear, that doesn't always mean end of story. Yeah, that's really terrifying too. And on top of that, research has shown that we're going to be dealing with a lot more tick and insect-borne illnesses because of warming global temperatures. It's just sort of one of those effects of climate change that, you know, we don't really think about that often. The CDC has warned that warming conditions may expand the areas that Lyme-carrying ticks can survive. So this means that if you thought you were safer in your part of the country, you might not be. Right. And so we wanted to know more. We reached out to Lisa Nigerian who has dedicated her life to raising awareness about Lyme disease. Lisa is really knowledgeable about Lyme disease and other tick-borne illnesses because of her personal experiences, but you know, we just do want to say that she's not a medical doctor. Lisa does run the Twin Cities Lyme Disease Foundation and is telling her story to raise awareness about Lyme disease symptoms and how to protect yourself. We are talking with Lisa Najarian, who is the founder and executive director of Twin Cities Lyme Foundation. Lisa has dedicated her life to raising awareness of Lyme disease and directing people toward proper diagnosis by Lyme literate physicians. Lisa has had Lyme disease for 20 years. She lives in Minnesota, which is a Lyme disease hotspot. So welcome to the Weather Channel podcast. We are happy to chat with you today, Lisa. Ah, Thank you so much for having me, Heather. And I just want to start out by talking about your personal Lyme story. You know, what is Lyme disease and how did you get it? Uh, That's a long one. Well, about um, I've had it now almost 21 years. Um, So about 21 years ago, I woke up and my left ear was plugged. 
and I had no idea what was going on. And I went to ENT after ENT after ENT to try to figure it out. I tried for a very, very long time to put two and two together. I'm a super healthy person. And so I didn't really know what was going on. I'd had allergies for almost all of my life. And so I just assumed that my ears were plugged from allergies, but it never went away. And then it turned into migraine headaches. And um, so I struggled for many, many years trying to figure out what was going on. And after I was finally diagnosed, we pieced it together. And we think that I was bitten by a tick while gardening when we lived in Chicago. And so I was bitten by stuff all of the time. And I probably had a target rash, which is the telltale sign of being bitten by a deer tick or a tick that has Lyme disease. And I probably had that. I don't remember because I was bitten by stuff all the time and I never really paid attention to it. So July 1999 in Western Springs, Illinois, just 20 minutes outside of Chicago, I believe I was bitten by a tick in my garden. And how many years later until you actually figured it out and how did you finally figure it out what it was? Well, I had gone for years being sick with a bunch of different symptoms. And um, it was really difficult to figure out. And so I had several people saying to me, wow, you sound like you have Lyme disease. You know, there were days that I couldn't get out of bed. There were days that I had migraine headaches. There were days that I felt super great all along. You know, I just kind of looked like normal Lisa. You know, you never knew. You never knew that I felt sick. You never knew anything. And I did a really nice job and you know, putting on a mask, not like a COVID mask, but, you know, putting on a mask and, and not letting people know that I was sick because so many people don't believe you. It's an invisible disease. It really is because you look great on the outside and on the inside, you just are, you, you're suffering. I had, I had somebody who was here at the home who had a wife who had taken her life in January. I met this guy in April. And I told him, I said, Hey, I, I'm sorry, I can't come out and really say hi to you all the time. He was coming out, he was taking care of our pond. And um, I said, there's just days where I just can't get out of bed. And he goes, well, what's wrong? And I told him my symptoms. And he said, you know, you should go see my, my late wife's doctor, who is a, uh, somebody who is treating her for Lyme disease. So I went and I finally tested positive. So, so that's how I finally figured out that I had Lyme disease. And that was in 2015. I immediately, immediately went on a protocol and it made a difference. I probably will have it for the rest of my life because I've had it for so long. And when you catch Lyme disease in the early stages, it's much easier to eradicate than when it goes on and on and on forever. So unless we come up with a cure, I'll probably have it forever. Yeah. And what's so interesting to me is my understanding of Lyme disease. And I think the common public's understanding of Lyme disease is very different than that. I always thought that, you know, you got bit by a tick, then you went to get tested and then you took antibiotics and you were done with it. But then a close family member of mine actually got diagnosed with Lyme disease and he went without a diagnosis for a number of weeks. And, you know, celebrities speak about this too. They call it chronic Lyme disease, but many doctors seem like they're not quite on board. So what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I liken it to, if you're a pregnant woman, you're not going to go to a dentist to deliver your baby. If you're trying to figure out what's going on with you, like I did for 16 straight years, and it wasn't a dire emergency, I should have really gone to a Lyme literate practitioner, but who would have known? This is the problem. Is that number one, you don't know what's wrong with you. And number two, you don't know where to go. 
So I spent tons of money going to specific doctors. You know, I had this stuffiness in my ear. My ear was plugged. It started to ring. So immediately I go, well, I got to go to an ENT. So I'm going to a specialist, right? So then I've got this vertigo going on and these migraine headaches. So I go to a neurologist. They can't figure it out. I had MRIs done, nothing. You know, of course you get a headache. You go, oh my gosh, I've got a brain tumor, (laughs) you know? So nothing, healthy as a horse. So I'm baffled thinking, am I sick? Am I not sick? And I'm so, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of arrogant that way where I'm like, yeah, I am very sick. (laughs) Somebody listen to me. Thank goodness I was directed to somebody and I was actually in an area where there were Lyme literate practitioners. This is what we do as a foundation is we get you to a Lyme literate practitioner that can diagnose you properly. One thing I find very interesting about this is it's I think it's easy to misdiagnose because it mimics so many other diseases. And you can say, oh, I'm have fatigue. I'm, you know, I'm exhausted. I've got headaches and so forth. It's called the great imitator for a reason. It mimics so many different diseases. It mimics rheumatoid arthritis. My hands, uh, there are days, I mean, <laughs> look at them. They, I look like I'm 80 years old and I'm not. Um, there are many days where I can't grab something. It, it mimics um, multiple sclerosis. Oh my goodness, that is a really huge one. Well, are there varying degrees? Because somebody might say, well, you know, I don't have it that bad, but I'm, I'm fatigued and I get headaches. So do people have varying degrees of this disease in the effects they feel? They do. So each one of us, it, you know, it's like fingerprints. Um, we know there are no two of us that are alike with Lyme disease. We all have different genotypes and it manifests itself completely differently. So the symptoms that I might have, the next guy in the line might not have the exact same symptoms that I have. And yes, at varying different degrees. So clearly this is hard to diagnose. Obviously it's a disease you don't want to get. And I'm a hiker, so I'm in the woods all the time. And of course I'm worried about Lyme disease. So how can I avoid it? Well, you have to, Heather, you have to live your life the way that you're going to live your life. I still garden. Um, I'm still out in the yard and I'm very careful. There are a couple of things that you can do. So there's a really great product out there called Permethrin. Um, It is not for your skin. It's for your gear or your clothing, your shoes. And it is a, um, it's it's not only a repellent, it's a chemical that will kill the ticks. It's, It's harsh, but you know. To pick your poison, you know, so to speak. Um, you can also use off or anything else that you would typically use. A really good practice is as a hiker, a good practice is to wear white socks and to tuck your pants, if you're wearing pants, into the white socks. Always wear boots, always spray your boots, and just be very careful when you're out gardening, hiking, walking. I mean, everybody's out now with this the COVID pandemic. Everybody is really out in the parks and um, walking on trails, and they're all over the place. But when you come in from being outside, get into the shower and use one of those nylon scrubbies. Ticks especially in the springtime now, the nymphs. So there's different stages, obviously, of ticks. And right now we're seeing nymphs and they're about the size of a speck of pepper. And you might not see them and they might not become engorged because they're so tiny, but they can still have Lyme disease and they can still bite you. 
So if you go in at night, at the end of your day, take a shower, use that scrubby all over your body. They love to sit at the back of your knees. They like to be under your armpits. They like to be in those warm places that we forget, you know, behind your ears, um, scrub your hair, do all that kind of stuff. Here in Georgia, um, my neighborhood, especially, we live in an area where there are so many deer. The deer in my neighborhood are kind of blocked in by a lake on one side and a huge, a big, busy road on the other. And so they keep breeding with each other and they're just running around. And so my dogs have had, we do check our dogs every day for ticks and, you know, couple times a week, they'll come back with them. If they're anything like our dogs, they either have a very long leash or there's no leash at all because we're in our neighborhood and they are running into the tall grass and they're hairy and the ticks love it. And they think, Ooh, I'm going to jump on you. And then those dogs can be on the couch or sleeping with us in the bedroom, or they can be even on our carpet. And the scary, really icky thing is, is that those ticks can become a huge infestation in our carpet. Ew. And it's gross. A good practice is to brush your dog outside after you're done, before they come in the house, check them every single day in their ears, up around their neck. Ticks love, you know, like from the head on and they love the ears, those poor dogs. They love them in their armpits. You just have to check your dogs all the time. The way that this is happening now is the CDC has said that climate change and warming global temperatures have caused Lyme disease ticks to sort of move to different places because it was always common knowledge in the South that, you know, we don't really have to worry about Lyme ticks as much. You know, it's more rare in the South. But I, I think that's probably not so true anymore, especially with the with warming global temperatures and, and what research is telling us. Correct. Lyme, uh, ticks need several weeks of below 10 degrees to actually die off. And down in the South, you guys have Lone Star ticks down there. Um, I don't know if they mm -hmm. are. Yes. Or, yeah. Um, so Lyme disease is in all 50 states and we have to be diligent. The problem is the awareness. People don't know, which is, is really awful. So yes, you have to be diligent no matter what state you're in, no matter what the temperature is. I mean, Antarctica, of course, is something different, but you know, not very many people are up there. So um, yeah, in Georgia, it, it's it's not as prevalent as, as Wisconsin and Minnesota, but you have ticks down there. If you could give one, one piece of advice to people heading outside, because as we talked about before, people are going outside a lot more this spring and summer than they have been because we can't really be inside right now. Um, and so if more people are heading outside, what would, what would one piece of advice be to them. You got to live your life. You can't, you can't sit inside. You got to, you got to do what you're going to do. Just be cautious and be smart and, and educate yourself and be aware. That's a big thing with any disease. I believe it should be aware. Well, Lisa, I have learned a lot today from you and I appreciate all the advice and information you've given us. But if people do want more information, one more time, tell us about your website. Sure. You can go to TwinCitiesLime.org. Twin Cities, like the Twin Cities up here in Minneapolis, TwinCitiesLime.org. Uh, we have an assessment that is on our homepage. You can take the assessment and um, it's a bunch of questions about symptoms and how you might be feeling. 
then we get you to our Lyme literate practitioners here in Minnesota, if you're willing to travel up this way. And you can learn a lot on there as well. I have, uh, we've linked to a couple of different resources. There's a lot of myths that you can look at and a lot of facts that you can educate yourself. It's all about awareness, really, in anything in life, but in particular Lyme disease, educate yourself. Well, thank you so much. You know, you've taken something that has affected you and you've turned it around to help so many other people. And we really appreciate that, Lisa. And we appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Uh, Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me, hoping we can spread the word to a wider range of people out there. So thank you guys so much for having me on today. That was our chat with Lisa Najarian from the Twin Cities Lyme Foundation. And Nikki and Chris, after that talk with Lisa, I did or- order some of the permethrin to spray on my shoes and clothes. And on the label, it claims it will last six weeks and through six washes. So if that's true, that's great news. Yeah, I really need to get some of that stuff. <laughs> And I also realized a fun fact, sort of fun, while I was doing uh, the research for this interview that we didn't get to touch on, it, it Lyme disease is more prevalent in the Northeast and the Midwest, and we know this, and it has been for a long time, but the USGS found that a lot of ticks carrying Lyme disease actually don't like the humidity in the South, and black leg ticks here tend to hide out under leaves and in spots where people don't normally go. But that doesn't mean that there aren't other tick-borne illnesses that come with ticks in the South and the and other places in the country. It's just another reason that you really need to protect yourself. And it is still here and, you know, most everywhere to right. some degree. It's really a good reason to stick to the trails when you hike in the woods. I'll admit just the other day, I wandered off the trail to get a little bit closer to a young deer who didn't seem to mind my dog and me coming closer. And it was fun because it seemed real curious about us. And of course, we were curious about it. But I kept thinking, oh, no, ticks. No, I'm going to get ticks. And that is when I went home and I ordered that tick spray, permethrin. Yeah. And I see deer all the time in my neighborhood, too. I mean, I've after... Listen, after speaking with Lisa, I vacuumed my entire house. Literally, I I vacuumed every single piece of carpet in my house. My dogs come in and out all the time. So we're checking them for ticks all the time. But the, the thing that really got me was that like tiny tick, the nymphs that are like a speck of pepper. Mm-hmm. So I'm like scrubbing under my nails. I'm scrubbing behind my ears. And I just, you know, it's just one other thing that you have to worry about in 2020, right? We've got like murder hornets. We've got coronavirus. People are, you know, wearing masks everywhere. And now we're in the, you know, we want to just get outside for 20 minutes and we have to worry about tick-borne diseases. So, you know, it's, it's a lot. And of course, we still have to worry about the weather and we have the perfect person here to tell us what to expect, Chris Dulcie. And Chris, are you planning on going outside anytime soon after hearing all of that? You know, it's, it's kind of ironic. I do a lot of mountain biking, which is in the woods. And uh, right after this, podcast i was going to go on a mountain biking ride for about two hours so it's kind of a hits close to home it's not something i really have thought about get your um, so i know yeah definitely uh gonna look into that Uh, yeah you definitely need to wear white socks you know make sure you pull them up really high and look super cool on your bike (laughs) (laughs) get the colored rings on the you know the tube socks with the colored rings on them yes and then then you take them off later you have the the tan lines the interesting (laughs) tan lines okay so let's talk about the weather that we're going to see in the coming week um parts in the northeast and the west chris are really going to heat up that's right. We have two pretty large areas of high pressure that are going to set up and bring some hot weather really to the west and the southwest. So parts of California 
into the desert southwest. Going to be dealing with tri- triple-digit heat uh, much of this week. So California's Central Valley, but it's also going to get pretty uncomfortably you know, hot in parts of the Bay Area. The desert southwest, including Phoenix, could see their first 110-degree reading of the year. Oh, ouch. Um, so it's really going to be heating up, and that heat will spread out towards Utah, Idaho as the week wears on. But there's also the other area of high pressure over the Great Lakes. That's bringing some of the hottest temps so far this season under the Great Lakes. So, you know, Chicago getting in the mid to upper 80s the next few days. We could see temperatures in the mid upper 80s to near 90 in parts of upstate New York and northern New England. I noticed, yeah, some areas 10 to 25 degrees above average. So it'll be hot certainly there. Definitely. But one spot now that won't be heating up is the southern plains. And instead, they're going to get hit with rounds of rain. And Chris, can you talk a bit more about the wet weather that some of these areas will be getting? Yeah, it's going to be a really stormy week after the holiday from from right now through the holiday and afterwards across the plains into the mid Mississippi Valley and the lower Mississippi Valley. There's a stalled front and then there's an area low pressure that's going to close off over the southern plains. And that's going to bring like I said, rap, repetitive rounds of heavy rainfall, several inches likely to fall from parts of Oklahoma down into Texas. And so with that, obviously, there's a risk for flash flooding. So if you're out there driving around, please be careful. Avoid any flooded roadways. Just don't take any chances. I know people get tired of the phrase, turn around, don't drown, but it really is a wise one, especially when the ground's so saturated. That's right. You just it's, You just never know how deep that water is, and it does not take much to cause a vehicle to float. Um, even in a you know a, a small area of floodwaters. And what are the worst days? Do you think that's going to be this week for that? I think it could be evenly spread out. So you know, mm-hmm. even Sunday and the Memorial Day could be pretty stormy in parts of Oklahoma down into Texas with you know very heavy rainfall, and then it'll just continue and day after day. And of course, as you you do that day after day, it just kind of adds up the rainfall totals, so it becomes more susceptible to flooding over time. And is this going to be something that's going to affect the uh, high water levels in the rivers out there and cause could cause some dam breaches or anything like that? It's hard to forecast that kind of thing, you know, that magnitude. Yeah. Most of that rain, you know, the dam breaches we saw last week were in Michigan. This rain is going to avoid those areas, or the heaviest, I should say, the rain is going to avoid those areas. So, that's some positive news is it's not going to fall up in those areas. Well, Chris, you know, that area, as you were talking about, they're going to get, you know, day after day of rain and get really saturated and the rain will add up that way. But there's another part of the country that's going to get a lot of rain in just a short period of time. I was just looking at South Florida and boy, some of those areas like Miami, for example, they're going to get just dumped on. Yeah, there's a uh, area low pressure that's going to form in the eastern Gulf of Mexico in in response to an upper level dip in the jet stream over the Gulf of Mexico. That's pulling uh, tropical moisture over the Sunshine State. Well, not so sunny right now, but that's going to just bring a lot of rainfall, especially southern parts of the state. Like you said, Heather, down towards Miami, um, we're going to be dealing with street flooding, possibly some flooding of creeks and streams, canals. So we'll have to keep a close eye on that through the Memorial Day weekend, maybe even into Tuesday for, you know, these rounds of heavy rainfall spreading through South Florida. But also some of that rain will get up into Central Florida as well. So it could have some localized flooding up that way as well. Well, you know, Florida actually needs the rain. I think it's 80% of the state is either abnormally dry or in some sort of drought. But the problem is when you just get that much rain so quickly. That's right. The southwest part of the Florida is still in a moderate to severe drought. So obviously good news in terms of overcoming that long-term dryness and the fire weather concerns that have been down there. But obviously when you get five, six inches of rain in a short amount of time, it's it's 
the opposite, you know, you turn in from drought to flood. So we'll have to keep a real close eye on that. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate all your info about the weather. And we appreciate all of you that have been listening to the Weather Channel podcast. And Nikki, where can people find you on social media? You can follow me on Twitter at Nikki Lee Buds. And Chris, what about you? I'm on Twitter, uh, putting little nuggets of weather information out there. Chris Dolce, uh, WX, the WX stands for weather. And I'm Heather Tesh, and you can find me on both Facebook and Twitter. And if you like what you heard, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wishing you all a great Memorial Day and week. Stay healthy and tick-free. Until next time, see ya. Bye. Oh, perfect. She starts barking right at the perfect time.